What's up, y'all? It's your man, Ernest. So you love Ernest, same guy, different name, back again with another episode of the Ernest Thoughts Podcast. And our guest this week started her career change at the age of 55 and published her first book, The Rise of Ravenisha. Yes, the Ravenisha. Yes. Welcome our guest, Pamela Lawson. Pamela, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. So if you can get into who you are and what you do, um, I know I shared a bit, um, but if you could share more for the audience, that'd be great. Okay. As you stated, my name is Pamela Lawson. I wrote my first novel, The Rise of the Ravenisha, at um, the age of 55. And it's a long story. It's a winding story. Um, I never set out to be a writer. And it's just funny how the universe will tell you what you need to do, what you're here to do, and you ignore the universe's signs. So I was born in Talladega, Alabama. And from a young age, I've been a horror fan. I would stay up late on Friday nights with my mother, we had rolled out the bed couch or, or sofa <laughs> bed, and we would watch Creature Features all night long. <laughs> <laughs> and I would watch them and, and don't think I wasn't scared. Oh, I was very scared. In fact, for many years, I used to sleep with the covers over my head <laughs> and I'd have nightmares. And I'd tell my grandmother, oh, I had a nightmare and she wouldn't help matters because she would tell me, oh, this witch is riding your back. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and so I've read, I've been a voracious reader since childhood, reading books that I should not have been reading. Mm -hmm. um, so my parents died in the same year, uh, different months, but the same year. And so my sisters and I were effectively orphaned. Our father's sister uh, took us in and we would walk from our house to her house every day. And there would be roadkill along the side of the road and I would stop to, to look to see what had progressed since the day before. You know, what is it bloated now in the word of maggots? And my sisters would walk as far away from the roadkill as they could, <laughs> but I would stop and look. And so I've been that weird, you know, black girl before they coined the term weird <laughs> uh, black girl. And that love, for, I guess, the macabre led me to, I wanted to be a forensic pathologist. That mm. was just my career. I was, that's what I was going to be. I was going to be a black Quincy. <laughs> well, UC Berkeley decided differently. I, when I got there, I learned I didn't like sciences. <laughs> mm. And so that career just went down the tubes and I ended up majoring in anthropology. And I took this medical anthropology class during my last semester. And um, the, the class assignment was to write a paper on how we envision the world in the future. And this was during the heyday of the AIDS epidemic. Mm. And I'm sure my little perky te uh, teachers thought I was gonna write something uplifting. 
instead, I wrote this horror story about these scientists who experimented with homeless people after they infused the, the AIDS virus with a serum and they created these monsters. Mm. Anyways, I got the paper back and I got an A, but there was also a note that I should be a writer. I should turn the story into a novel or a screenplay. I did nothing. So we'll just fast forward during all the years. Um, I'll get to when I was finally 55 and what led me to, to write this novel. Mm. I, I had several messages throughout the years, but I ignored them all. That's the gist of it. And so that summer, I my family and I, we were at a family reunion in the Poconos and I failed. And it was just, oh my goodness, I've never felt such pain in my life. And as I was just writhing in the hotel bed to distract myself from the pain, I thought, oh, what if there were these warrior women? And what if they turned into panthers who ate people? And that was the genesis for the story. When I returned to California, I got up every day I actually got up at seven. I know I was grousing earlier about how early I had to get up today, but I actually got up early every day and I wrote that the first draft in three months. Of course, it was a hot mess. So I, I revised it for a year, but that's how the book came about. I knew that um, I didn't want my warrior women to be clones of the the real women of the amazon yeah so i did research and i decided my, that mine would be an offshoot of those amazon women and that again they would make this pact with la penta more this demoness and in exchange for great strength and um living forever they would be loyal to her and have her spread her power and um so that that was the beginning sorry my phone is just being weird <laughs> all right um my next question uh, i know you mentioned how you were when you first wrote the story about the aids epidemic and you you was into sciences before. Um, what really took you? I won't say so long, but what was uh, the reason as to why you didn't start actually writing earlier? You know, I look back on those events now, and I could just hit myself upside <laughs> head. But you know what they say: everything happens for a reason. Yeah. Um, so I was very much invested. Still, I wanted to do something in forensic sciences. And, you know, I had attended a de facto segregated school. And so even though I got really great grades mm -hmm. in the science classes that I took at school, once I got to Berkeley, I learned, oh my God, <laughs> I know nothing. Wow. <laughs> so, and it wasn't that I wasn't as smart as the kids at Berkeley. 
it was just that really when they say separate but unequal, I mean, it really, it's, it's true. I mean, I learned that I really had learned nothing. And so I just didn't have the background, but what I did have was a superb English teacher. Mm-hmm. And I could write when I got to Berkeley. So I never thought about being an author when I was growing up because during the era that I grew up in the South, you were going to be just a couple of things. If you were a black child, you were expected to be a teacher, a lawyer, or a doctor. Mm. And I think if I had gone to my relatives with, oh, I want to be a writer, they would have asked me, well, how are you going to support yourself? Yeah, I got the same uh pretty much response as well Um, because it took me uh, a while for me to actually figure out that writing was something that I wanted to do as a career as well. Um, When I started, I was just going to school for psychology and it wasn't until the end of my sophomore year uh, where I just realized, yeah, this isn't necessarily something that I want to do. but it was just more so, oh, I, I want to make my family proud. I want to, you know, I want my mom, my aunt, my father, and, you know, all these people to say, oh, my son's a psychologist, my cousin, yes, my yes. whatever. So it was like, it's, I'm not really doing it for myself. I'm doing it for them. And it's like, but I'm miserable. So <laughs> I might as well do something for myself. And, you know, hopefully people support it. If not, at the end of the day, it's, you know, you have one life to live. And it's exactly. like, do I do I want to live it trying to please other people or do I want to live it uh, doing something that I love? Right, um, it's really what you're here to do. Once I sat down and started writing, yeah. the words just flowed. Exactly. It, it's, it's, it's like effortless. So it's, like, it's not like you need, it's not like, I mean, you need to study or you need to hunker down to something. It's just something that just comes natural to you so exactly exactly now i have gone back and i've watched a whole bunch of youtube videos um, yeah books on the craft of writing because i have not taken creative writing classes and i think that my first novel it might show a little bit but it's still pretty darn great book for somebody for a debut novel and for yeah. me not have been a creative writing you know major or I, I thought about getting an MFA but I really I don't want to do that because I find oh gosh I hope people don't come for me but I find <laughs> that people <laughs> with an MFA they all write the same Mm. For instance, I like to think I can look at uh, read a story and tell, oh, this person was in one of those writing programs. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And so I know that I, I've done uh, some unorthodox things in my story, but um, I'm just different. What can I say? Yeah, I understand that fully. Um, can you tell us about your book and just just give us a, a quick story? synopsis on? Yeah. Oh, um, well, it's the story of this ancient tribe of warrior African women. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I said earlier, they made a pact with this demoness, La Pantra Noir, 
to help her um, spread her power to, um, in exchange for a life in which they they can be killed, but it's very difficult. Mm-hmm. And so, and they have to eat humans once a month to survive. So the their BFF Queen Idea is the one who's out walking one day and she finds the, the baby panther and it's in the throes of death in the wrapped around this python. So she rescues rescues the python, which is a vessel for La Panther Noir. Mm-hmm. And so she brings it back to the camp and of course, you know, the, the women decide, yes, they're on board. I mean, who wouldn't want to live forever and, and be yeah. badass, you know, we're right. And so they do. And then Idea tells them, oh, the French are probably going to overthrow the Dahomey kingdom and change is coming. La Nord told me, y'all need to go to America because she wants to consolidate her power there. And once you've done that, I'll join you. Of course, Ida was lying through her teeth. You know, she's distorting the prophecy that La Pantronor told her. So the the three friends go to America as slaves and they land on this farm, the Honeycutt family. And there they are subjected to all of the horrors of slavery you know, that everybody else is subjected to. Mm-hmm. And the centuries pass, they they do what they can to um, ruin the Honeycutt's experiments because the Honeycutt's during the process, they find out that they are these were panthers. And so that, of course, they want to now harness their power. Mm-hmm. So these women do everything they can to sabotage the labs and experiments. And they still stay because of their loyalty to their BFF idea. Mm. And Rufus impregnates some of them and they have daughters and their daughters have daughters. And at this point, things get ugly because Rufus imprisons their daughters, just takes them from them. Mm. And then, so they're beginning to wonder, where's idea? I mean, yes, we could turn into rare panthers and we could eat Rufus but we made a promise and and he has our daughters and you know mothers and and their children mothers will do anything Mm. to to save their children so because of this these women remain in bondage and so we get this new generation of rare panthers they're like a super breed and the main character teddy has been tapped to lead the ravenisha out of their bonds but of course she's a hot mess because of all of this breeding that Rufus has done to her, she has mental issues. She's just unstable. Mm. And she has a lot of growing up to do. And so an event happens one day in my fictional town of Ravenswood, Alabama, when Rufus pulls up and they learn that they, uh, Ciola, the main old Ravenisha character, learns she has yet another granddaughter she didn't know about. And Rufus has kept her in a lab all of her life. 
and so things get ugly that day. There's violence and the women decide enough. Mm. The time has come for us to rise. And that starts the action of the story. And, um, you know, we just will have to see whether or not. (laughs) Don't give away too much. Yes, it's able to defeat Rupa's and Queen Idea. And, And right now in this world that I've created, Creatures such as were panthers are not uncommon. Uncommon, you know, no one bats an eye. Mm. <laughs> They're still kind of new, but so now other governments want to create their own army of were panthers. So everybody's after the women, and they travel to Central America because there's another were panther unknown to them. She was created through an entirely different process. And I did that to show that many people, many cultures have their myths. And so through the Mayan or Aztecan myth, this woman was also created as a real pattern. And so they joined forces. And it's, it's quite an adventure. (laughs) It <laughs> sounds like it. Where and do you I get in with my southern upbringing? Um, I I love to cook and bake, so mm, I have nice. sense of that. I I ride horses, and I, I I insisted on keeping those. It's just two little <laughs> I think parts, and because for people who don't ride horses, they were just like, "That's too much. That's too much about <laughs> horses for me." <laughs> All right. Uh, where do you get the inspiration for your stories? That, oh my gosh, when people ask me that, it's so hard for me to explain because mm. it just, it just comes to me. It just I mean, comes to you? Yeah. It just comes to me. Yes, usually it's at night or mm. while I'm sleeping. And so far, I've been really blessed not to have writer's block. Mm. There there were some times when I got kind of stuck, but you know what? I would just call it quits for the day. And then that night, something would come to me (laughs) and ideas are always flowing through me. I mean, I have already completed the second novel, Rogue Ray Venetia. Nice. And I'm thinking about the third one, Revenge of the Ray Venetia and just, just the other night an idea came to me and I was like, oh, let me, <laughs> let me get my, my phone. And I wrote it in my notes before I forgot it. So in that way, I have been super blessed and it's all the more it hits me over the head that I've wasted all of these years. But I feel that if I had started writing when I was just out of college, yeah, I yeah. wouldn't have had the life experiences that right. I've had. So it's been a trade-off. Yeah. Like you said, everything happens for a reason. And that's something that I've been uh, telling myself um, because I've always, uh, again, I was the same way. I wrote something in the fifth grade. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, A math teacher actually told me, she's like, yeah, you should, you know, you should write. But then I'm like, okay, you know what? Uh, 
the family, they're probably not going to, you know, approve of that or, you know, where's the money and all of that. And this was around the time I just wanted to be a firefighter. So this is before I even wanted to go into psychology. I wanted to be a firefighter at that age. Uh, and it's like, oh, it's something it's, you know, it's, it's a job and it's not a bad one either. Right. Uh, so, yeah. But then outgrew that um, psychology came when I was like in high school or whatever. But again, as I stated before, that wasn't something I was truly passionate about. I mean, it was an interest that lasted for as long as it did. And then it just didn't become an interest at, at all. Um, so I truly understand. Um, I know you mentioned you earlier. Find, oh, sorry. No, you get, uh, you have something to say? I was just going to ask you, did you find over the years that other people tell you that you should be a writer? Um, yeah. Uh, when people actually get and finally read <laughs> something that I wrote, uh-huh, um, uh-huh. whether that be a, a story or just blog writing, they're like, yeah, you're a great writer and things of that nature. Uh, some people will say that and still think it's a hobby or still say, you know, f- have find something that's like a fallback plan or whatever. Right. And it's an, and it, yeah, it's not like I, I mean, that's the goal is to actually make it a career of mine. I still do it. Um, but obviously I still have a full-time job that I work. Um, I still go to school. Um, I, I still do other things outside of writing. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's just, it, it's been something that a lot of people have been stating uh, over the years. So uh, I'm glad that people enjoy what I have to say. I just hope that, uh, you know, they can, and it's not that I need actually the approval for me to w- want to continue to write. It's just, you would obviously, especially loved ones or just people that you you care about, you would obviously want them to approve of what you're doing or you know at least support it in a way like even if it's not a path that they would choose um, I understand that but yeah um, that's something that again I'm still learning and I've had to go through um, myself Um, but getting to the getting into the question that I was going to ask you mentioned earlier uh, that you were the quote uh, you know different black girl weird black girl whatever mm-hmm. prior to uh the ter- term being coined or whatever yes um my question to you is what do you have what advice do you have for women your age and women younger as well young women as well who um you know especially the ones in your age who are in a different career path and whether it be they want to get into writing or something else um but they're told you know, you can't do that because one, you're too old or because you're a black girl, you have to do this, that, Mm -hmm, and the third. mm -hmm. So what would you say to women or young girls um, who have been told that? I'm going to say it to you too. Nice. You have to follow your heart because as we discussed at the beginning, you only have one life to live. Exactly. And I fully believe that other people see things in you when you're young that you don't see. Mm. And that I totally get the whole writing thing is so difficult and and now Amazon and this whole it's made it super duper easy for everybody yeah. to self-publish. Right. But 
if if the if you go in life and you're just flitting from career to career like I did, mm. just not happy in an office environment or even uh, healthcare, and and people have given you hints over the years or, or just universe in, in different times have given you hints about what you should be doing. That's what you need to do. And with the writing thing, I was very fortunate in that I was semi-retired and I stayed with my sister mm. who is a huge supporter. And so she, I was able to sit down and write full time. But I know how difficult it is to, to try to write while you're working. But I will say it can be done. You mm -hmm. can write You can write on your lunch break. You can write um, depending on if you commute to work on public transportation. You can write a little bit when you get home, even though you're dead, tired. Because you don't have to write for hours. If you get in 30 minutes or an hour, you can get a book written. And so my thing is, is that I was always, I was very different as a child, just, mm. oh God, in so many ways. I <laughs> taller than my classmates, even though I'm super short now, I just stopped growing. I <laughs> uh, wore these really thick glasses, just red, had my book, had my head in a book all the time, <laughs> as uh, my aunt used to tell me, and my classmates now, <laughs> he would tell me, it's like, damn, I knew you were going to be a writer. You always had your head in a book. <laughs> so, and my interest in the whole forensic science thing, you know, I asked the undertaker or funeral home director at my mm -hmm. father's funeral about the embalming process. <laughs> <laughs> he looked at me and he was like, um, well, um. <laughs> and he proceeded to try to explain it to me. But I was just curious, you know, because I realized that, hey, my father was dead. I, that's what that whole thing with the roadkill lit showed me, mm. is that with you dead, it's, 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 a, it's, it's a carcass, a, a body, your soul is not there. <laughs> oh, so I had these different views. And just imagine, you know, um, a girl from Talladega Rural rural Talladega, Alabama, wanting to go to UC Berkeley and yeah. having the, the gall to apply because at the time I had gotten a full ride scholarship to Talladega College. Oh, wow. And I was just like, oh no, I'm going <laughs> to UC Berkeley. Oh my goodness. We, we, we won't talk about that, but I just wish, oh, I'm just like, I did not go to an HBCU. <laughs> But again, I'm just gonna go with that whole thing's happening for a reason. But so, anyways, yeah. I just want to encourage people to to let your inner Ravenisha warrior shine for the women and for the men. Let your inner Asura warriors shine, and and do it because this is your life. This is your chance to live your happiness. Otherwise you will be miserable. Mm -hmm. I yeah. mean, you may work that job for whatever those 20, 30 years, but you will be miserable. And then you'll look back one day and you'll think, why did I, didn't I listen to da, 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 da. Exactly. And it'll be too late. 
yeah, exactly. I, I, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for this. Really enjoyed this conversation. Would love to have you back on. Where can people find you online and find your book as well? Um, I am on the social media sites. You can just find them by searching for P. Grace Lawson or Pamela Lawson. My website is www.pgracelawson.com. Uh, I'm on Amazon because who isn't? I mean, how can you make it these days? But I also <laughs> have made it a mission to support the indie and small bookstores. So I my book is at a local bookstore here in Elk Grove called nice. A Seat at the Table. And that's also on my website. And as I um get in more bookstores i'll also post them on my website i am also at homecoming bookstore and cafe in birmingham alabama but i would say the best place to to find out what i'm doing and where my books are sold would be my website okay i'll have all that posted in the show notes below people please check out pamela lawson Thanks for coming on. This has been another episode of the Earnest Thoughts podcast. Y'all take care.